I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for First and Ten with your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. Hope everybody's having a great week so far uh, and a great summer. And looking at the calendar, uh, the Raiders are two weeks, exactly two weeks away from opening uh, training camp, 2021 training camp, on a more normal uh, level than uh, they had their first year here in Las Vegas. So that's a good thing. Uh, before I get uh, to my uh, great co-host, Sam Gordon, uh, here from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, just want to say that First and Ten is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and presented by Blue Wire. Um, Sam, how are you doing, first of all? I know you've been busy, man. Uh, I see your byline everywhere and see you uh, everywhere and, you know, on social media. Uh, how are you holding up, my good friend? Vinny, doing well. Doing well. Taking everything one day at a time. Uh, a lot of basketball in town this week, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I've been enjoying. But that all that's doing is preceding the football uh, that's going to be in town coming up in a couple of weeks. So it's been a busy month, but 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 it's all good. I'm certainly doing a lot better than uh, than Team USA men's basketball. That's for sure. At least right yeah, now. there's no no question about that. And I got to say, uh, Sam, uh, you know, I'm I'm a relative newcomer to Las Vegas. I moved here from Los Angeles in February of 2020. And, um, you know, obviously COVID-19 hit and uh, it kind of turned everything upside down, uh, you know, through the course of 2020. But, you know, slowly but surely we're definitely, you know, getting back on track. And I have to say that over this past weekend, with all the events that were going on um, in in Las Vegas, including the Garth Brooks concert uh, over at Allegiant Stadium, the big UFC fight, um, Team USA basketball, there were some good concerts going on. um, And just watching it unfold, it kind of brought back some memories of Los Angeles. But it's actually a little bit different, too, because everything is within almost walking distance. Yeah. You know, in Los Angeles, if you were to go to a Dodger game, even over to Staples Center to go catch the Lakers, it's it might take a little while uh, for you to get there, let alone, you know, Orange County to go see the Angels or, or you know, down at the Coliseum to go watch uh, the Rams or now Inglewood. Uh, I just get this sense of the proximity in Las Vegas, and it's a, it's, a, it's such a unique feeling, um, but it really it's it's the the entertainment value here in Las Vegas is is getting to be almost second to none and now that we've added sports the NFL in particular uh to that equation uh I I don't expect that to deviate anytime soon no I don't either and I'm glad you're getting the the full the full Vegas experience Vinny when everything is going on at the exact same time I was actually I ran into uh ran into somebody with MGM an official with MGM yesterday uh, when I was at Team USA Basketball, and he said that this previous weekend, right, the one you just talked about, Garth Brooks, UFC 264, USAB, uh, the Aces played on Friday. There was so much going on. He said it's one of the, bu- the busiest weekends he can remember here in 30 years. So that that's that's where we're at right now. Vegas is back uh, in full bloom. And like you said, only, only expect that to continue over here the next few weeks once, once the Raiders get started, once we get football games here and really get to see – what 65,000 strong looks like 
in Allegiant Stadium for home games. So it's a lot going on, man. It's a fun time to be here, and we're happy to have you. I'm glad you mentioned what it's going to look like at Allegiant Stadium when it's uh, full throttle. Uh, we yeah. got kind of a glimpse of it uh, looking at the social media posts of uh, the Garth Brooks concert. But it's a pertinent point, um, and it's 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 kind of the centerpiece of what we're talking about uh, on today's episode because uh, – I don't know if you noticed, but over the weekend, Derek Carr was up at the um, uh, a big golf tournament up in Lake Tahoe. By the way, Lake Tahoe – just beautiful, majestic. I, it made me want to I, – I, seeing all the uh, footage from Lake Tahoe this weekend, I just wanted to run from Las Vegas to Lake Tahoe. I know it's kind of a long haul, but, man, it's so beautiful. But I digress. Uh, at that golf tournament, uh, Derek Carr spoke with, um, you know, the uh, Michael Smith and the great show um, uh, Brother From Another, which is on the Peacock Network. And he basically said – and it caused kind of a stir, and I want to throw it at you um, – uh, uh, Sam, to get your thoughts on it, because I completely agree with Derek Carr, to be honest with you, uh, with what he said. Basically, what he said was, look, you know, we were three plays, we being the Raiders, obviously, we were three plays away from being an 11-12 win team. Um, obviously, the Raiders finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, There's no changing that. But, um, you know, that was put out there on social media, and Derek Carr caught some heat for it. And I, I'm sitting here thinking, why? That's the reality of the situation. No matter what anyone wants to say now granted the Raiders weren't ready to make those three plays that they needed to to make to finish 11 with 11 wins or maybe even 12 wins but that doesn't change the fact that they were literally literally <laughs> three plays away a defensive stop against the Chiefs late in the game a defensive stop against the Miami Dolphins late in that game a defensive stop uh, in overtime against the Chargers if the Raiders were a had been able to get that they would have been an 11 win team. That's there's no disputing that. So I'm just wondering, you know, why the uproar and where is the lie in what Derek Carr said? Uh, I'm not sure, Vinny. I think he's spot on, right? I think he's spot on. We, we remember the Sunday night game against Kansas City Chiefs. That's the first play that, you know, kind of a broken play touchdown to, to Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, to Travis Kelsey. And of course, you're dealing with, dealing with Patrick Mahomes there in a two minute situation. That's going to be dangerous. But there was a play to be made there. It wasn't made. Uh, and then you go to the, the the Chargers game. I mean, even before the defensive stop, right, the Raiders had the ball in that game and are driving to kick the game-winning field goal. And, and Marcus Mariota throws an interception. And he played an, a whale of a game that game. I want We want to give him credit for how he played. But, you know, you hang on the ball there. You, you, you run the ball a few times. They call a couple timeouts. You get a first down. You kick the field goal. That's that's a victory. And then, of course, the the infamous – Miami debacle, which is a you know a, a kind of a one in a million kind of situation there. I, I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but there were some crazy stats out when you in terms of the win probability in that situation. It was like like ninety nine point nine percent. Exactly. Let's just say. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that was a miraculous play in and of itself by Ryan Fitzpatrick. So he's not necessarily wrong. I mean, this team was really, really, really for all the flaws, for the the, the inability to rush the passer, for the struggles the secondary had, for the the, the overall struggles the defense had in general. Uh, there were, like you said, there were a couple of plays we made, like Derek Carr. So there were a couple of plays to be made, and, and this team is is ten and six, eleven and five. I mean, they, they were not far off from playoff contention last year, despite all the issues because of the strength of that offense, because of some of the timely plays that offense made throughout the course of the season. And, and with with that in mind, I, I think he's right. I don't see the loss. I'm not. I don't think he's wrong. 
Right. And, and here's the thing, um, you either, cause you know, on, on Twitter, cause I, I, I put it out there on social media as well. And then I got the, uh, the pushback. Well, you can, it goes both ways. You know, uh, the, the, the jets were, I mean, the, the Raiders were uh, a play away from, you know, losing the jets game, um, and, and losing the chargers game earlier in Los Angeles. But that's the point they made those plays and they won. That's the, that's exactly the point that Derek Carr was trying to make is is that's 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 like strengthening his argument you either make the play or you don't uh that certainly the Raiders were a couple plays away from losing those two games but they made those plays and his argument is merely had they made those plays in those three other games that we're talking about that you just mentioned now they're an 11 win team having said that you're either ready to make those plays or you aren't ready to make those plays. The Raiders weren't. That's why they are an eight and eight team. Nobody's arguing that. Nobody's disputing that. But moving forward, what I feel Raider Nation should feel good about and what I think that the overriding um, sentiment of what of what Derek Carr is saying is is should be taken with with a, a good feeling from Raider Nation is the quarterback actually believes that. OK, and I'll say this. When was the last time you saw, you heard Derek Carr really talking about things in those terms? Coming into last year, there's no way that he would have ever said, oh, we're three plays away from being an 11-win team in 2019. That just wasn't accurate. It wouldn't have been honest. It would have been a complete exaggeration. The Raiders were many, 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 many plays away from being an 11-win team in 2019. So to me, him saying that, and correctly so, is it represents – represents progress for the Raiders. Now they have to go make those plays, but there has been progress made, Sam. Yeah, there has been. Even if it's been incremental or even if it's been gradual, uh, this team has been, in 2020, they were in competitive situations. Most of their games were, were, were they either won and, uh, you know, those three losses were obviously very, very competitive. They were really only blown out uh, by the Atlanta Falcons, right? That was the only real Carnage loss. I guess Tampa Bay in Indianapolis got out of hand in the second half, but those games were were relatively competitive for for most of the game as well, all things considered. So this is a team again. They were right on the cusp, Vinny. They were right on the cusp, and I think you know, considering some of the youth on the roster, like like we've talked about at length, not having a full offseason program, not having a real training camp, uh, that those being unique situations for for a lot of players, being in those kind of winning type, winning time, you know, those deep water situations. Now, now you can draw back on those experiences. You have those experiences, and now it's about turning the page. And okay, those were plays they didn't make. Those were plays that they should have made and, and had the opportunity to make and didn't make, and those result in losses. How can you rectify that moving forward going into twenty twenty one? Now, now the, that group uh, has been in in some situations, some tight games. You get experience from that, and I, and I think we talked about it on this podcast, Vinny. Winning is a skill. You, it's, it's, you learn how to win. It takes time. It, 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 it takes time. And, uh, and there has been progress within this program. Now it's about going and putting it all together with some of the defensive improvements they've, they've made, with some of the upgrades they've made on offense, discovering that cohesion again you know, in training camp that's coming up, and then making those plays when they're in those situations next year. So you would think that, th- that, that this group has been steeled by some of the shortcomings. And, uh, and we're going to see if that's actually the case, you know, coming up here very soon. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. 
You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on top of all that, they've made some improvements. You know, you you, you bring in Unique Ngakwe uh, and the changes that they made uh, to beef up that defensive line to to potentially get more pass rush, get more heat on the quarterback. The addition of a veteran cornerback in Casey Hayward, kind of a stabilizing force uh, in a very, 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 very young uh, secondary. Uh, or... And I should say, uh, you know, drafting Trayvon Morag, who uh, could provide a big upgrade uh, at free safety. So in addition to the returnees being, like you said, uh, strengthened uh, and sharpened by the experiences of, of last year, adding some key players to the equation, along with new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what kind of an effect uh, that that has on on the overall operation and that overall defensive group. Because when we're talking about it, yes, you know, Marcus Mariota throwing that interception against the Chargers was critical. Uh, I've talked to uh, Alec Ingold, the fullback, um, who also echoed, he actually said you know months ago, you know, that the Raiders believed that they were just a few plays from being a uh, an 11-win team. But, you know, and he said, look, it's not just the defense. You know, I'm, if I make a, a catch against the Kansas City Chiefs, come down with the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs, it gives us a new set of downs and we could run the clock a little bit more. I didn't make the catch. Yep. That's on me. If I make the catch, that's a play that could have changed the outcome of that game. So it's not just the defense. There are some uh, plays that the, def- that the offense could have, could have helped out with. But over, overwhelmingly, and the majority of improvements do need to come from that, from that defense. Um, and, you know, Sam, Gus Bradley, the new defensive coordinator, spoke recently about how uh, the defense had over 2,000 reps during OTAs mm. uh, and minicamp. Um, and, and, and that's, that's significant. That's, that's a, that's a foundation that they'll take into training camp, which opens in a couple of weeks that they didn't have last year. There was no foundation. The first time John Gruden saw his team fully intact last year was in training camp. And Oh, by the way, something that gets kind of overlooked because of COVID-19 this was a team that was making a move from one city to another, from Oakland to Las Vegas. Go look yeah. at the history of teams making those kind of moves. It usually doesn't work out so well in that first year. We don't even talk about that part of it anymore. That's true. Uh, and, and, and rarely did last year because we were so consumed with COVID-19. But but that was another issue uh, that, that you know, the, the Raiders had to deal with in, in term, in, along with everything else. But when you talk, when you think about those two thousand reps that um, that that the Raiders' defense got, you know, this during this offseason, how important do you think that foundation could be, should be, to their efforts uh, in twenty twenty one? Well, I think it's huge. I, I just think it gives you a, a sense of a sense of what you're going to be doing in training camp, and a sense of it gives you something to build for, for build towards, and it's a foundation, right? It's a foundation. It's getting guys on the field together, beginning to develop an understanding of who needs to be where at what situations, when, et cetera, et cetera. And with a lot of young players, now granted, not as young as the defense once was, but there's still a lot of youth on this defense. I think any time you can get out there and get reps and get experience in any capacity when you're trying to build something new with a new with a new defensive coordinator and new pieces in terms of, 
the upgrades on the defensive line, the additions that they made to the secondary, I, I think it's crucial. It's clear that at times last year that that group felt really disjointed. It didn't feel like everybody was always on the same page. And if you can just start getting guys on the same page, even it's it's not training camp, it's just mini camp and OTAs. We understand that, but it allows Gus Bradley, it allows that coaching staff to to, to start teaching. And it allows guys to, to at least feel what it's like to simulate what it's like to be in certain spots that they're going to be in training camp and ultimately during the season. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge uh, boon to what they want to do. And you, you made a great point, Vinny, like the, the, the transition from Oakland to, to Las Vegas, I think that did get lost in the shuffle. And, and just from a personal standpoint, right, guys are are getting up completely from where they've lived for several years and having to start a new during a pandemic, during a very, very unprecedented time uh, in in. in in our history, at least, or at least modern history, and, and having to figure out how to how to develop a, a city and an organization on the fly. And it's just that was challenging. That was tough. I, I hadn't even thought about that until you brought that up. So I think that's a that's a really good point. But in terms of those reps, no, nah, man, I think it's I think it's huge. I think it's a crucial, crucial thing that they're able to start building the foundation. And we even heard guys talk about it when they spoke with us uh, during OTAs. It, it, you hope to generate some momentum that you can carry in the training camp and you know, you get the sense that they've they've done that or at least started to do that. And, and now um, here we are a couple weeks out of training camp. We're really going to get to see more how, how how well those reps served them during the offseason. Yep, uh, I agree. And, uh, you know, again, going back to uh, Allegiant Stadium and what it looked like and sounded like uh, during the Garth Brooks concert, I was just uh, kind of mesmerized because, um, you know, you, you, you sit there during games, as we did many times last year, kind of envisioning, all right, what's this place going to look like, sound like? Because every stadium, Sam, has its own kind of unique feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go across the NFL, you go across the NBA. Um, you know, you, like like you look at Madison Square Garden compared to Staples Center. Staples Center for a Lakers game is like going to the theater. I mean, you've got, you know, or, or, or like a movie premiere. You've got uh, you know, all these stars and, and it, this feel of it, it just feels like a movie premiere. You go to Madison Square Garden, it's got a different vibe. You go to Dallas, it's got a different vibe. And the same in the NFL. And, you know, uh, I'm, as we sat there last year in dead silence, I often found myself thinking, well, what is this place going to feel like? What is it going to look like? Um, and now that we're getting closer to it, I'm getting more, uh, you know, fascinated by that element of it. And really, Sam, in terms of, you know, just from a curiosity standpoint, because I'm a stadium guy, I love doing that. I love looking at the new places, old places, seeing how it feels, what the environment looks like or feels like and what the atmosphere uh, is like. But from your your perspective, what are you expecting Allegiant Stadium uh, to be like when it's full throttle? And how much help could it lend the Raiders, especially in those crucial situations that we've been talking about in those key losses last year? Yeah, I think it's going to be rowdy. I think it's going to be rowdy, man. Vegas has been waiting for, for something like this for a really, really long time. I think you've got a taste of of what the, the home court, the home ice can, advantage can look like with with the, with the Aces, with the Golden Knights, right? Some of the best atmospheres in their respective leagues. And I would expect the same thing uh, with the Raiders. And, and and you mentioned that, Vinny, like those three games that, that Derek Carr was talking about, those three plays, those those three games we, we, we just talked about, all at home, all of them at yes. home. And yes. all of those games were two-minute situations where you don't think – I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it would have necessarily changed the outcome, but you don't think 65,000 strong might have played a little role into making those offenses a little less comfortable down the stretch or might have given the defense a little bit of a boost 
I'm, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I know it probably wouldn't have hurt. So so when that time does come, I, I think you're going to see a, a pretty big home field advantage here. Of course, being as Vegas, you always have fans from opposing teams and opposing markets. They're going to find a way to in this stadium and teams are going to cheer their or fans are going to cheer their respective teams. That's part of it. That's part of what makes sports so great is, is that you can do that and, and have that experience. But in terms of what Allegiant Stadium is going to mean to the Raiders, uh, this market has been waiting a really, 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 really long time to have a team like the Raiders, to have a facility like Allegiant Stadium that they can go to and take part in. And and, and when that time comes, I think it's going to be a rowdy, raucous environment that, that really uh, draws on kind of the tradition of, of, of the Raiders and the franchise. I'm not saying it's going to be the black hole. It, may, it might not be to that degree, but I think there's going to be some elements of that mixed in that's going to make this a really unique place to play for the home team. For sure. Yep. Uh, and, and and we're about ready to find out here uh, pretty soon. Uh, hey, Sam, I just want to say thanks uh, for uh, for putting in uh, all the work that you do uh, and carving out some time uh, to be with uh, us here on uh, on Vegas Nation First and Ten. I know the fans truly appreciate it. I uh, want to say thanks to uh, our great producer, Larry Muir, uh, for always being flexible and always uh, doing everything he can to make us sound good and, and get us uh, out uh, to, to, to all the fans and readers and listeners on it in a timely fashion just a programming note i am going on vacation uh and it will lapse into next week so uh we probably won't be doing a first and let's just say we're not going to be doing a first and 10 uh the next one that we do Mm. the next one that we do sam will literally be either on the eve of training camp or we might just wait until uh the day of training camp uh to do it either way it'll be either um you know next week or the following week which would be um starting on july 26th uh, or maybe july 27th but somewhere around there we're going to be revisiting back uh with with the fans and the, and the listeners and uh, at that point we can honestly say the 2021 season uh has begun uh which is crazy right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it, re- it really is. It feels like we were just getting geared up for 2020, but but here we are, uh, 2021 right around the corner. And, and, and like you touched on at the top of the show, Vinny, exciting time to be in Vegas and certainly an exciting time uh, for the Raiders to get going. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be here before we know it. You enjoy your trip. Uh, well-deserved. Well-deserved. After the year uh, after the year that that, that that you've been through and that we've been through collectively at Vegas Nation, man, t- take the time off. Enjoy it because we know it's going to be tw- going to be a big 2021 season and you're going to have us covered the entire way. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, everyone have a great week and a great next couple of weeks, really. Uh, we'll see you uh, right on the eve of training camp uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. In partnership with the Mob Museum, I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, a true story about money. And so it was their piggy bank. They had the ability to get loans for whoever they wanted to get loans for. Crime. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. And the battle to control the Strip. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. We were very angry and very upset, and we knew we had been double-crossed. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer.